Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. So I was having an experience at a thrift store. Okay. And I, I, I've had this experience a couple of times, but I think it finally solidified itself in me. And that was flipping through some old LPs. And down in Florida, you know, you kind of, you know, you get a lot of retirees, right? And Sure, yeah. A lot of people are transplants. Mm. So you're going to see, I think when 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 stuff ends up in thrift stores and stuff ends up in consignment stores it you're you're seeing that reflected that mixed bag of people that but you, you shake the country up and it all sort of slides down into florida right sure yeah yeah and i just keep having this thought that uh as you flip through and you see a southside johnny in the asbury jukes collection Okay. <laughs> and you just realize, oh, somebody's dad from New Jersey died. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, Southside Johnny is... I don't know how to put this nicely without sounding mean and making it sound like a backhanded compliment, but I feel like you are only a Southside Johnny fan if you are, you are a Bruce Springsteen fan first interesting okay because you find out about Southside johnny through learning about the history of bruce springsteen and as the mm. you know 70s asbury park beach music club scene okay you know like because i think bruce has always like tried to give him props they've co-written songs together bruce has shown up on some of his albums as a as an artist and as a writer Right. And, you know, his music is, he's really good at doing that one sound really well. Just this kind of uh, R&B horn section, you know, rock. Mm. Right, you know, right. Kind of dance rock. And, you know, that's that's good and that's fine but i feel like it has a very specific limited audience typically reserved to middle-aged people middle middle-aged meaning you know i'm i'm thinking <laughs> like 50 and up okay from that remember that music scene <laughs> in new right. jersey right yeah yeah <laughs> it's very so specific. i'm just like you you pass by the collection you see heart of stone you see having a party with Southside Johnny and you're like, mm, oh, ouch. Oh. Well, rest in peace to, you know, uh, Uncle Tony. Yeah. Jeez, R.I.P. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Uncle Tony. What's, uh, what, what's your hot take on Dad Rock? <sighs> First of all, yes. Second of all, no, is what comes to mind. <laughs> 
I <laughs> I was raised on dad rock, Zan. So I have to say oh, I do raised on raised on the right music. Oh god. Hell yeah, you're just listening to uh uh you're listening to Journey. <laughs> I was listening to Journey, Listen- Steely Dan, Billy Joel. Leonard that dad Leonard Skinner? Le- yeah, yeah, a little bit. I I'm gonna start I'm gonna start saying it Leonard Skinner. Okay, that's one way to say like, it. Like kind of kind of just leaving right. out the stressed vowel. Yeah, Leonard Skinner. Like that. Leonard Skinner. Yeah. It's yeah. easier, it's faster. I like I like yeah. dad rock. I mean, I, I'm not like I don't know. Like it's it's when I think dad rock, I think yacht music. I have like I feel like if I ever become my full boat sona. I will, mm-hmm. you know, go full dad rock and have that on the boat. Uh-huh, I uh-huh. um, I think I was way more into it before I knew that it was dad rock. You know, back a couple years ago, when you yeah. when you like first discover vinyl again, and you're like obsessed with your parents' records, and you find all these like mm-hmm, bands that mm-hmm. you kind of knew but didn't really know, and yeah. then you know you find other things. And I feel like that's my relationship with dad rock. How about you? Um, you know, definitely was a big part of me growing up you know that that type of music my parents always sure. had the radio on to the eagle <laughs> and you know as as i grew up and started to make my own music collection a mm. lot of that music started to make its way into you know as i was like putting music onto my ipod right. and doing like you know the youtube to mp3 thing absolutely and, you know anytime someone gave me a uh itunes gift card or something Mm -hmm. and it's like i look back now and it's like all of these songs that i feel like you're told are awesome and essential and you i i think the thing with my mom at least it was like you were supposed to be ashamed if you didn't like some of these songs if you weren't Uh, into it yeah which was a little odd that's still kind of like that though in the culture of it all well yeah but but that's that's the thing about dad rock is it's not necessarily bad right it's there's this weird assumption though that i feel like that goes into a lot of it that it is the greatest music that there's this this period in the 70s and 80s where you could turn on the radio and you would hear these incredibly catchy Mm -hmm, straightforward mm -hmm. rock songs right and that there weren't that many bands. There was a very specific scene to fit in to be mainstream. And like that there's something kind of safe about it. Mm. Okay, to, to to go back to the thrift shop for one more second, I was I was flipping through, you know, just these long, you know, those those like really long cardboard boxes. Ooh, it's like, yeah. you know, typically what you see like um uh comic books stored in right yeah but they were a little wider so they could fit vinyl i was flipping through and i see this record and i am so captivated by the cover it's this very uh kind of stylized illustration kind of like almost almost looks like uh like tattoo illustration of a half lobster half man with shoes coming up out of the water sneaking up on this uh woman sunbathing underneath a lighthouse and it just says in these really like you know kind of old school new england letters nantucket <laughs> and i what? was like 
well, I need to know what this sounds like. Did you and listen? And I was, I yes. So I pulled it up on my phone because they didn't have a record player in the gotcha, place. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and you know, I I pulled it up on my phone and I want to hear it. Uh, and I'm like kind of expecting like a New England, maybe a Billy Joel type of sound, but like something that like like something regional, something mm. that. I, I, I think Billy Joel transcends dad rock just in the sense that it is very specifically geographically located. Right. And as kind of goofy and the type of rebellious, uh, the idea of a rebel that is very attractive to dads. Yeah. With Billy Joel. <laughs> yeah. You know, this sort of, this sort of safe performance of masculinity. Um, you know, it's it's rooted in a time and place, and I don't think you can take ever take that away from Billy Joel. Is it does come from a very sincere moment, for sure. Um, and a time and place. So I'm that's what I was expecting, and what I got was this is a band that wants to sound like Journey in Boston. Hmm. Interesting. I, I had high hopes from the beginning because the first song is this uh is this kind of power rock starts with an acapella um that's you know pretty good uh called Heartbreaker. Heartbreaker and then once it kind of gets into it, you're just like, okay, what's this is very safe. This is remember my uh my remark about get me an imagine dragons (laughs) yeah yeah the 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 record producer saying like i i know what sells get me a band to sell to sound like this um and basically what i found out which was not that surprising uh, because i looked up the band on wikipedia because honestly i was just trying to find the artist for the album artwork the music was fine it was uh-huh. just whatever, but it would blend into the background of any. If if you were having a party with a bunch of middle aged people, they would be into it, but it would okay. blend into the background. Oh, um, you know, there, there's like some good guitar tones, some good vocal harmonies, but that's it. There's nothing interesting happening. Right, right. And you can kind of suddenly appreciate the artistry of a Steely Dan of a Boston. You know, yeah, to realize that those are things that exist in their own world. Basically, to, to sum up, I look up the background <laughs> of the band, could not find the artist. I, I I, would love to know if he ever designed anything else. Hmm. And I one day might just track down that record just to have in my collection for just for the artwork alone. Um, but basically what I found out was they were not from Nantucket. Oh. <laughs> okay, well... <laughs> They were actually uh, from South Carolina. Oh, that's uh, very different. <laughs> and they were they were named Nantucket after the song Nantucket Sleigh Ride by the band Mountain. Okay. Because they were a cover band. Oh. They were a co- like a well-known local cover band that got a shot in... You know, they they made a couple of studio records. It seems like that self-titled one was pretty well received, but you can kind of see why it didn't stick around yeah. and it didn't have the mass appeal because I feel like you'd listen to this and be like, there's there's bands that are doing this and 
quite honestly, doing it a little better already. Right, right. So you can see the problem of trying to play it too safe, trying to play to that sort of lowest common denominator. And that there's there's nothing offensive about the music. You're just like, you're just sort of left to wonder, like, maybe there was something yeah. about this band. I bet they were a, you know what? If If you dropped me back in time in the 80s and, you know, I uh I just got done uh murdering Ronald Reagan. Um okay. Cuz um, cuz I I you're you're dropping me back now knowing what I know now. Okay. Um, well, yeah. There's a lot of implications uh, to the statement, Sam, but continue. <laughs> yeah. So, I just got done doing that. I um mm-hmm. I maybe tracked down JK Rowling and okay. give her some sort of uh LGBT literature. Catch her early. Right. Gotcha. Harry Potter. Right, you have to. Yeah. Um, and then I end up in South Carolina. I oh. walk into a bar. I'm tired. I just, you know, uh, I just, you know, did did a bunch of 80s stuff. Right. You had a montage. And then this band gets this band gets up on stage, starts rocking it, mm. you know, get a knock back a couple beers. I would probably be really feeling this, you know. <laughs> Um, so what I'm, what I, I'm trying to imagine seeing this band and there probably was something cool and fun and unique about them, but maybe it just didn't end up in the studio. And I guess it's, it's kind of hard to know exactly what, what pushes a band to kind of go in a direction like Mm -hmm. that to just be, you know, just, just playing it a little too safe. And I think that is what you, why you end up with. The problem with dad rock is I feel like when you play too much of it at once, when you have those radio stations that are playing that very specific period of rock of mainstream rock music, Uh it just, it starts to flatline you after a while. Cause it's all the same. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's literally all the same. Well, it's not like I don't want to listen to the police and Elton John. Like I genuinely love those bands. Uh huh. But same, I I want to enjoy so much more Mm -hmm. about music and I want to be part of a broader experience. It reminds me of um, this book I once saw in a bookstore um, that at first really piqued my interest. The title of the book was like 100 bands to listen to before you die or 100 artists. I should. Oh, wow. Okay. And I thought, wow, that is. That's an interesting concept. Like how, what a challenge. Like that, or like get, I, I've talked about this at, here at the UCM before, but like, you know, the idea that there's more music recorded yeah. than you could ever listen to in your life. Like, I know. Okay. Well, like what is the stuff I should have heard? Right. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. And then you open it up and the dust jacket lists the artist. And like, the first five are all like British invasion rock bands. And you're like, okay, no. Yeah. Cause it's like, clearly. Like, yeah. Cause it's, it's nothing against that music. Yeah. Because that is an important moment in music. And there's a lot of good stuff to come out of it. You, you can't mm-hmm. take that away. Sure. But is it the most important music throughout history? Yeah. And like, <laughs> I kind of would like, I mean, even we only put, I really, 
respect, the restraint of the Americans that sent up, you know, the Voyager record. Yeah. And they only put one rocks, one American rock song on it. Right. Yeah. You know, they put they put on Johnny Be Good. And, you know, they put in a lot of other, they put on a lot of traditional music. They put in, like, some uh, tribal music and stuff. Like, there was an interesting slice of humanity on that record. Mm. Like, you yeah. Know, and especially, I think, for the time, fairly worldly and diverse. It's probably... Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, but just the idea that music exists and everywhere independently in different cultures and that you're going to rob it of its diversity yep. when you try to do a survey of it just kind of seems gross to me like yeah it just seems like the more just more congratulatory baby boomer whatever just like we did it we made the best music ever yeah well like that's the whole thing of like for some reason people above the age of 45 or something believe that music died in the 90s and nothing new came out and i hate it i'm being yeah. i i don't stand by this statement there's other people who think this way but <laughs> but it, it is like i never Catch joe on a better day no 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 but it, like my parents think that way where it's like yeah, music yeah. well really like my dad but it's like music is like mm -hmm. i stopped listening after the 90s it's more or less the thing yeah. and it's like yeah well why and yeah. i never you never really get an answer I mean, I don't know. Talk to people, I guess, is my is my thing. But I personally, you know, coming out of this, I get bored way too fast with the mm -hmm, same thing mm -hmm. over and over. And I need diversity in music, in yeah. art, in anything. And just something fresh, something new. And music is like art. It builds on music, right? The more music yeah. you make, the more things change. It's why sampling is essentially just revisiting the art form and changing it and making something new, yeah. right? And so, like, mm -hmm. when I and and it's exciting, you know. One quick example of something I just kind of was um, watching was, um, it was this one guy composing an orchestral or an orchestral version of "New Slaves" by Kanye West. I've mm -hmm. never heard this song, but I I guess I had and I just forgot because I did listen to the album that it's on. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're listening to the orchestra version, and it's just that very specific beat. If you know the song, you know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, it switches into that Hungarian sample. Um, I'm blanking on the name because it's in Hungarian, but it's in the um, <laughs> it's in the mid '90s trailer, and it's kind of like the mm -hmm. ending song. And it's it's a fabulous piece of music. And he like, you know, they're sampling it on violin as it is, and they're just playing it all, and it feels so similar to classical music. Like not even mm -hmm. just because they're mm -hmm. using the same instruments, because yeah. of the tonality and the similarities, like. I like to think it's like almost like imagine if, you know, all those old musicians from the past were here now and like, what would they be making? But that's a right, conversation yeah. for a different day. But let's blend that into dad rock and this idea that we're talking <laughs> about here. Let me tie it all back. Yeah. So what I get, I guess, confused and I don't know, lost on and maybe because I just wasn't born in the era is that there's this nostalgic feeling attached to those songs. And we also have to acknowledge yeah. that, you know, there's only a few record companies making uh, records for said people. So only certain artists are getting signed on and you're getting yeah, yeah. this sort of mm -hmm. what sells. It's about making money and it's about, I guess, mm -hmm. that kind of power. But I think it's it's really, you know, under that more corporate guise and people who grew up in the that era are going to like it 
now, especially because that's what they grew up listening to. And it's, it's a sense of, I think, familiarity and that's okay. Definitely. Not, definitely. Yeah. Well, there's, there's like a lot of things that people in our age group have this great affinity for. And for whatever reason, I didn't see it when it came out or when it was popular and some stuff I've gone back and realized like, oh, wow, this was really cool. And I didn't appreciate it when it was new because um, I was, you know, angry, had no friends and hated everything. But then I look at some other stuff and I'm just like, people really love this. I, I think what we're going to see going forward as millennials and gen z or whatever as as the younger generations get older and more set in their ways i think we're going to see us do mm -hmm. the things that we complain about baby boomers yep. doing like really holding these you know kind of very shallow things that were just really well marketed to us um yeah you know, become really glorified and romanticized, and it's just sort of part of that nostalgia culture that people want to be a part of. Yeah, man, 2000s nostalgia is in right now with people that are, like, 15 years old, and it freaks me out, because it's, like, it's bizarre. <laughs> like, I lived it. You didn't... There's nothing nostalgic about it. It all kind of sucked. There was purple, like, ketchup, and that's about it. You know what I mean? Like, but it's so... Like, it's weird getting yeah. older and seeing that already but, start to yeah. happen. What we want to understand, are things popular because they're good, or do we remember mm -hmm. them as good because they were popular? Bam. And that's the really difficult thing. Yeah, 100% agree. Because I think what we've realized, and I think in some ways we've rectified this by the fact that, at least for a lot of younger people, there's this recognition that there are so many different subcultures that you can be a part of especially in music oh yeah that everybody is going to kind of have their own thing i think it's our growing distaste with the grammys just that <laughs> it's just I hate this, it. this insanely pop insanely popular music which isn't really a knock against those artists i don't hate adele and I, I think she's talented i don't i don't hate these people because they are popular but there's a certain thing to listening to a song that you feel like just checks so many boxes to be as appealing as possible. It does. It no longer feels personal. We're going to have to do a tour one day on on that on the Grammys yeah. and popular music, because I have so much to say. Yeah. Um, in why that happens and in things in that regard. But yeah. uh, to keep it in line with what we're kind of talking about here. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree. And I think, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's just something I don't really understand mm -hmm. because I think mm -hmm. it just depends on how you look at music. Yeah. Um, and if you're like, and what we'll look at music later. Like, I, I think what when I'm thinking of dad rock too, I also have this feeling like, oh God, are we going to look at like My Chemical Romance that way? Or like Avril Lavigne? <laughs> Like, is that what's going to happen in, like, 2048, where we're just going to look back and be like, ah, oh, yeah, that was uh, it's that was possible, time. but also remember that those were appealing to... Those were appealing... Those were very popular in certain subsets of people. I mean, yeah. the thing that I'm always fascinated by is that there are always... 
there are so many of these very influential people that I have never heard of because I'm outside of the circle of mm. said influence. Sure. And I only <laughs> hear about them if something they do for some reason crosses over into uh in into my radar either for, you know, they blew <laughs> up cuz they did something problematic or right yeah or, they, or, or something completely crazy i don't know uh, do you remember when skrillex worked with the doors on like a mini album for a hot minute <laughs> what an interesting crossover of fans there it was pretty good uh, but i was that yeah. was a long time ago anyway no yeah um but before we kind of get into our main topic today i uh you know i know we're mainly here to talk about music Mm -hmm. But this sort of th this idea of cultural reevaluation, I think, is going to be very yeah. central to our conversation today. Hundred percent. So, yeah, uh, we're, we're gonna t we're gonna talk about that retrospective. So, Joe, I'm gonna throw um, I'm gonna throw something at you. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna throw a number at you, and it's a part of a new segment that I would like to introduce. Oh. Uh, to the Uncanny County Museum. 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, what 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 film could I be talking about? Well, it is the Zapruder film. And the, if you the 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 <laughs> the, what? the the footage of JFK getting shot. Uh that's on IMDb. Is, Wait, what? No, it is on uh, IMDb. Uh, it is on in both I the Zapruder film, technically being a short film, is what it is classified as. This is true. Is on IMDb. Oh my god! And the consensus is seventy-four percent on the tomato meter, seventy-nine percent audience score. <laughs> I'm laughing out of a shock response. Jesus Christ! Oh. So, Joe, this yeah. brings us to my new segment. Okay. JFK or JOK? Is it JFK or is it just okay? <laughs> so, 79%, that, that number really fascinates me. Yeah, that's... As, as a movie that could potentially have massive appeal and a wide audience, but maybe didn't get, um, doesn't get, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't check all the boxes for everybody. Apparently not! <laughs> yeah. Like... But, I mean, the fascinating thing is, technically, it's archival footage, I would think. Not a short film. And it's weird. Here's what, here's what I'm really hung up on. Yeah. The idea that historical archival footage, the 79% implication, and here's the implication <laughs> of as we, whenever we try to have award shows and we try to rate and rank our art, right. we run into bizarre implications when you talk about on a hierarchy of art because technically because you have assigned a numeric a numerical percentage to it now you are in some way saying this is better than something and not <laughs> as good as others based yeah. on how much audiences enjoy it which is a weird i think this is a, a beautiful example of how flawed maybe our system of yeah. art is so Okay, we'll we'll start easy. Um, okay. So remember that number, seventy nine percent, Joe. I'm gonna throw a movie at you, and you're gonna have to tell me: is it above, below, or the Ooh. same? Ooh. 
Ooh, as the Zapruder film. Again, remember for people in our audience that do not know, the Zapruder film <laughs> is just a, 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 a film of a guy who happened to be filming JFK in a parade and JFK gets <sighs> shot. Okay? Just so Jesus. we're clear. <laughs> I'm getting a little uh... hostile. Um, but okay, are you ready for this? I, I think so. Let's go okay. for it. We're going to start easy. All right. Baby Driver. Above. Yeah, that's correct. Baby Driver is at right. 86%. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Below. <laughs> Ooh, very good. Uh, Indiana Jones Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is at uh, 53%. Dang. Okay. I'll shake it up a little bit. Uh, the Daniel Radcliffe film Horns. Below. You are correct. 49%. Which I always thought was unfair to Horns because, like, I get it. It's not a great movie, Horns. Right. But I enjoyed it. So it's like it means something more to me than 49%. And again, this is where we're going to get into subjective art. This is all going to be relevant later, I promise. Excellent. Okay. Cats 2019. Way below. Yeah, 53%. Okay. It's still high. Surprisingly. Okay, Joe, we're going to start getting a little closer now. Okay. Tropic Thunder. Above. Below. Tropic Thunder is at 70. The first. Dang, that's real close. The first Transformers movie. Mm, below above damn it (laughs) above by six percent transformers again transformers the the first one the michael bay film is six percent higher in the audience score than (laughs) archival footage of oh my god (laughs) okay all right so now we're gonna get even closer Oh my god! Right. Okay, are you ready for this? All right. How, how are you feeling? This is your first time I'm... on the show, first time participating. Yeah, I'm... this is going to be the the death the death round. Okay. Uh, that, actually, that's that's not tasteful. I'm sorry. No. Uh, sudden death. <laughs> oh, damn it! Uh. <laughs> oh my god. Do you, do you have any Do you have any family watching at home? Um, I don't know. Maybe. Hi, hi, mom. Hi, family. All right. So this is for the win, Joe. All right. Okay. So, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, part one. Oh, oh that's too... Okay. Uh... <laughs> your, your wheels are spinning. You're trying to think, is it above or below? Oh, no. Uh, above. It is 79%. No way. Yes. So, what are we counting that a tie? How's that work? Um, technically, those are, I'm going to say those are worth more because it's okay. more difficult to guess a specific percentage. Fair enough. All right, how about 1994's The Santa Claus, starring the Tim Allen? <laughs> Tim Allen, that's great. Um, below. 79%. Seriously? Yeah. Weird. Yep. yep. Uh, Born Supremacy. Above. That is correct, but not by much. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Bill okay. and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Above. 
Yes, but not by much. 81%. Yeah. Okay, all right. All right. Uh, Hellboy, 2004. Above. Correct. Nice. Oh my gosh, my heart's pounding. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right, let's see. Uh, okay, next. Beetlejuice. Ooh. Above. Correct. Nice. The Royal Tenenbaums. Above. The same. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Captain America, the first Avenger. Below. Just barely below. So oh my god. Nice. Okay. Alright. Are you ready for uh ready for the last one? I think so. Okay. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Oh God. Okay. Um. God, I love now, that. Now remember, movie kind, too. kind of, kind of an indie film, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, not. I think well received, but not by enough people. Above. Correct. Nice. Yes. Interestingly <sighs> enough, fun fact. JFK the movie is 82%, so not much above. <laughs> but you know the weird oh thing my is God. JFK has so much footage of the Sapruder film. Yeah, that's <laughs> This is wild. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, isn't this great? This I... is... Yeah, it's <laughs> uh this this was a Yeah, well, thank you for playing. No, thank you for having me. This was fantastic. Thank you for playing JFK or JOK. God, what a great name. This, what a fun way to explain the <laughs> strangeness of this rating system. Not to mention, 79% is so, like, it's it's like a just above average, right? Yeah. Like, you're so close score, to a B. It's tomato meter, 74%. It's even lower. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's wild to me. I mean, I guess it's not the most entertaining film to watch, but like... Yeah. Well, I guess, okay, here's the thing. Should our media... And this is something I think we're going to cover in a moment. We'll get into yeah. it. But how entertaining should our media and our art be that it mm. captures our attention? Because... That's very Where true. are we today, Joe, in the uh, UCM? Uh, well, we're standing in a sort of a Beatles you know, the famous music group shrine, something of a recreation that you would see in your stereotypical, you know, suburban white dad from the 70s basement. Of yeah, a yeah, shrine you know, to... there, mm. yeah, there's there's lots of cutouts. Yeah. It's pretty fun, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. Lo lots of memorabilia, some guitars, some records. Mm -hmm. Lots yeah, it, of it... lunch boxes. Lots of lunch boxes, lots of figures. We tried to get it as close as possible to what you would kind mm -hmm, of see. Mm -hmm. Something like the Smithsonian, but like, you know, a little bit more fun. Cause I don't really like, like, like it could be in your, it's in your dad's man cave or office. Yeah. It's, it's, it's close to that as possible that we could get it. We actually went on site, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a while back to lot see of research. what it would be like that. A lot of research went involved into this. So I yeah, hope you all yeah. enjoy. What are your thoughts on the Fab Four? You know, I thought you were going to say Fab Five, and we were going to talk about Queer Eye for a hot second, and I was very confused. <laughs> but, um, okay. <laughs> I have so many thoughts involved okay. with this, but immediate reaction? Mm -hmm. I like the Beatles. Okay. I think, here's the deal. 
I don't know much about them besides mm-hmm. the songs that I like. And mm-hmm. I like I am not somebody that, you know, you could um go to and just be like, oh, what's your favorite Beatles album from a specific time? And like, mm-hmm. how do you rank that amongst all of their um discovery? I'd be like, I I mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh-huh. But they in my opinion, are arguably a very important part of music history, and I can't not acknowledge that because mm-hmm. I feel like I used to try to pretend that, you know, it's like, oh, the Beatles are like overrated, man. But it's mm-hmm. like, you really can't say that <laughs> to a certain yeah. degree because it's hard to to fight against the just public atmosphere around them and the, the sort of you're you know, conjuring something whenever you bring yeah. it up. You are conjuring yeah. things that people have a lot of strong oh, yeah. feelings about because the Beatles mean so much in terms of, you know, the just the way that we think about artists, the the Yeah, sort of, dude. The way that we will you know, the the reverence for the yeah. place of the songwriter, you know. Oh um, yeah. Is so is so important because the it's it's difficult to completely remove the way that we treat our pop stars, whether you like the Beatles or not. This mm-hmm. is all part of this lineage of the pop star being the figure that they are today. And, you know, the 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 mass marketing of mm-hmm. music and all of this other stuff all comes back to the Beatles, which I think you can safely say, and I think for two white guys, we know an appropriate amount about the Beatles to not be insufferable. Yes, I would agree. I, I yeah. will say, though, I still have found, like, songs by them that that just surprise me. Yeah. Like, when I first heard, like, um, Love You Too, mm-hmm. you know the one where there's, like, that opens with the sitar, and then it just kind mm. of goes right into that beat, and it's just, oh, it's so good. When I first yeah. heard that, that blew me away because that's not what I, you know, I think of like stereotypical like 1960s Beatles. I wanna hold your hand. Yeah, and and I don't like it. I mean, it's okay, but the you know, it's it's well, I don't not not like it. It's just it's its own thing and it's its genre that I'm not interested in. The thing I always appreciated yeah. about the Beatles was their ability to change mm-hmm. what they were making. Yeah. and do something very interesting with it, even though it was still under this massive sort of corporate guise of well, selling yeah, there's, and there's doing There's like things. an entire economy built yeah. around the Beatles. It's insane. And yet they were able to maintain their artistic credibility. They continued to pump out hits. Uh, and there's not a lot of, it's kind of weird the way that we love hate these artists that are just super successful that have hit yeah. after hit and it's something that people hate on the eagles way too much in my opinion yeah i never really got that to be honest and the weird thing is i think it's like it is kind of like an older person thing but okay when you go through the eagles discography and you realize how many hits they had and mm-hmm. they all don't sound the same. Yeah. The, the Eagles, like the Beatles, you know, d- different flying animal, <laughs> they had a virtuosity to songwriting, and they were this right. independent machine. 
where all the members had their own artistic direction and collaborated in this moment that, you know, ended in a lot of bruised egos and ruined friendships. But you, you, you have to look at the discography in awe. And I think when you really look at how many Beatles songs you know in the back of your head but have forgotten about, it's really quite astounding. I, um, I went a long time once, like for no, for no particular reason. It just you mm-hmm. know, wouldn't come up in my shuffle or whatever. I hadn't heard Come Together in a very long time. And then one day I was driving oh. around in my car and it came up on shuffle. And I had forgotten after I hadn't heard that song and, you know, you removed it from being, you know, overplayed probably on classic rock radio stations and cover bands and everything, always playing it. And then you suddenly really listen to come together and you're like, this is a, this is a catchy song, but it's subtle. It has so many layers to it. And you realize that is the beauty of those Beatles songs and, and that music is the the uh, at first apparent simplicity mm. but the depth that as soon as you start to pick it apart more and you know it, it, i i feel like at this point we are again just jerking off the egos of baby boomers but i <laughs> i think yeah I, I think with with the beatles too you have to acknowledge the stuff that we have built and constructed around them and one of those things yes. are the personas that were mm. sort of cast on the Beatles, which I was fascinated. I've always been fascinated right. by, you know, like, and, and I mean, this may, it, if nothing else, you know, you know, even if you know nothing about the Beatles, you know, oh, I'm supposed to make fun of Ringo. Now, now, Zan, which one did you like the best? Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? <laughs> Uh, I, of Peter, Paul, and Mary? Yes. Of, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. It's too It's too. Emerson, too Lake, easy. and Palmer, Crosby, Stills, and Nash? What happened to bands that just had their names? <laughs> Hi there, my name is Colby White, and I'm one of the hosts from Force Football Facts, a podcast where my friend Zachary and I force our other friend Tyrell to give us insights into the game, even though he doesn't know anything about it. We use our humor to bring you weekly football news in a new way that takes fan opinions into account while also helping new fans understand why we love this game so much. You can check us out on our website, forcefootballfacts.com, or wherever podcasts are available. Hope to see you soon. But, okay, I mean, if we're talking solo careers, Paul. Yeah. Paul, Wings is like legitimately Fabulous. one of my favorite music acts, that, I think. That's amazing. Absolutely. Great. That is some of the best of 70s rock. That is, it realized 70s pop to its potential. I know? mean, he, he, we could argue he also just like carried the Beatles to a certain extent because John London's kind of a yikes, but that's, I don't want to, I guess, make anybody too mad. Um, yeah, no, Wings, I mean, is, Wings is fabulous, yeah. though. Yeah, um, and I mean, I have to respect a lot about John Lennon and again his construction of who he was as a person I want to maybe this is me being too apologetic and again it's not like the Beatles are my favorite band but this is something that I try to understand about this time period without you know making making 
you know, misogyny okay. Sure. I want to understand this time period where imagine being famous and promoted to a role in society that did not exist yet. Yeah. Like, that you know, for as famous as the Beach Boys were, as you know, the, the that sort of early 60s voice group sound. Uh-huh. You know, did you know there was a period of time where one of the Beach Boys, like, had to go to rehab, so they put, um, oh, God, what's his name? The, uh, the famous guitar player, uh, Rhinestone Cowboy, uh, that guy, mm. uh, ba-ba-ba. Glenn Campbell. Seriously? Yeah, they just stuck what? Glenn Campbell in the Beach Boys. That, I mean, I know Glenn notice. Campbell. I just forgot. The, that's wild. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. But here's Weird. the thing. The Beach Boys were four personalities that, like, everybody felt they had some sort of connection to and vested interest in. To me, it even sort of, it seems like the way that, are, are you familiar with the uh, the four humors? No, I'm not. So the four humors, like, this is, like, something that goes back to ancient Greece. There's this uh, oh wow kind of belief, you know, it's not really based on anything. It's, like, based on old-timey science where they're, like, in, you know, the, the, the wind blew the wrong direction and that's why you're sick. Sure. But the, the four humors was this idea that you had four basic personality types. And maybe there is something more to it, but th- this is not, I don't think, I don't think this is modern psychology by any stretch of the imagination however i feel like there's something valid to it in how we consume our pop culture and our literature and our movies because anytime you think about any four assemblages of characters or friends they sort of fall into that thing of there's the goofball there's the leader Mm. there's the loner and there's the smart one yeah like that's the hogwarts houses i mean yeah like, that's, that's pretty accurate that's the teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah it's your stereotypical anime characters too yeah like this is <laughs> for some reason i think they keep revisiting those that that uh that i mean char- that that assemblage of character dynamics yeah I feel like people did that for the beatles people were Ooh, like yeah People projected what they wanted to onto these four real people that got famous very young at a time yeah. when I don't think anything could have prepared you for that. So John Lennon's weird idea of himself, his enormous ego, and every everything else piled on top of that, I... It, I think, I think looking at it through that lens humanizes him, you know, in a way that mm-hmm. does not remove his more problematic actions. But I, I, I think, I think that's almost how you have to yeah. talk about them. Because what, what on earth in, in a pre-rock star world, what do you compare that to? Um. I don't know. I mean, I guess like a what? Frank Sinatra? But even that, yeah, it, it goes but, beyond but, this. But, I, but it's, the, yeah. the thing is, Frank Sinatra was like, you know, he's a 
he's a you know when he was younger he's this he's this good looking guy he's a talented actor he's got this great voice that's true he i don't think ever i don't think frank sinatra had the they, they never yeah put a persona on him besides like no that's true. party that's good true. time boy you know he likes to hang out and and he's got all <laughs> he's got all these different broads and yeah. uh you know J- john lennon is like and and the rest of the beatles they're kind of these like they're nerds i mean remember remember the beatles were you know got girls let's not yeah let's let's not shy away from that but compared to frank sinatra the beatles Mm. looked like nerds i feel like i i i feel like you you were looking at these like kind of young starry-eyed you know kind of kind of pudgy british kids they're all idealistic and um you know they they have big ideas and big plans and you know they're like getting turned on to different philosophies and stuff as the time goes on frank sinatra was not trying to sell you a philosophy other than you know uh pour another drink in my glass and yeah let's, mm-hmm. and let's flirt with some waitresses yikes yeah I mean, I think the thing to kind of call back to, to like with with John Lennon, though, that we're we're not really competing with the person anymore. We're competing with the audience who stands him. You know, it's a, it's a yes. it's a collection of simp's for the Beatles, and they're all kind yeah. of in their fifties or younger, and that's that's hard to fight yeah. because there's such a collective attitude for these people that mm-hmm. you know the the Beatles are essentially deities to at this point you know they're ideas or demigods they're, yeah well, they're ideas that's a good way to put it actually there, there's there's an idea of them and what they mean to all of us and what they what we feel like they ought to be um but you yeah, know the Beatles the Beatles are i are an idea of them and mm. so kind of getting into that i i kind of wanted to talk about in particular is everyday chemistry now i don't believe oh you were familiar with this album before i uh showed it to you i wasn't i didn't even know it existed um and i, I <laughs> and have it's become... questionable as to whether it exists or not well i mean it exists it's just not from the origins it it um it's from and it's a very i'm i have not i wouldn't say obsessed but i'm very fascinated with this album and this concept mm-hmm. behind it yes yeah so um everyday chemistry uh for those that don't know is a beatles album from another dimension mhm yep <laughs> now i know what you're thinking what <laughs> i've got all the beatles box sets Right. I've got all of the compilations. I've listened yeah. to it all. Where uh what what are you talking about? I've 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 heard all the Beatles albums, you say. Well, a gentleman who used the uh let's assume pseudonym oh, James yeah. Richards in uh September of two thousand and nine put out on the internet and said uh this basically this claim that he had been to another dimension where yep. ketchup was purple and the Beatles were still together. Huh, that's a fun callback. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, maybe, what if What if in that universe Shrek was purple, and that's why <sighs> the, they made, huh. instead of making the green ketchup, they made purple ketchup. Didn't they make, like, the green Go-Gurt, though, or something like that? I remember that happening. Yeah, they definitely made green ketchup, though. 
Right, but the Beatles didn't, you know, aren't aren't um, together here, so yeah. we have to go to that other universe, yeah. So basically, everyday chemistry, if you were to listen to it, you, the cynic, might say, oh, this is just a bunch of sample Beatles solo songs mashed up into uh into uh into a record and uh what would you say to those those cynics joe well (laughs) we'll get into it but you're not far off this this album is no no one has ever really been able to track down i think yeah who made it slash discovered it right um his website i believe was uh went down at one point but you can find copies of it pretty easily. There's a couple different. Yeah, it's on YouTube and stuff. Yeah, there's, that's there's how a couple I love different this. YouTube videos that you can find. There's a couple different websites. Um, but basically, what I thought would be uh, an interesting uh, sort of side adventure for us was to talk about everyday chemistry in terms of the Beatles discography and if it were a real album. Oh gosh, if, can't wait. If, <laughs> if it were a real Beatles album, where would this yeah. fit in with the Beatles? Because it is let, let's just say it is not it's not completely you don't have to stretch your imagination too much because you could say, okay, well, if the Beatles never broke up, then that's stuff that they did in their solo careers they would have collaborated on, and then Yeah. Um and then they would have put out as their as as a Beatles record, you know, rather than a George Harrison or a Paul yeah. McCartney solo effort. Yeah, I mean, if I may too, I know that was one of the defenses by James Richardson saying when he was kind of or when you know they were um were kind of approached with that and saying with the criticism of it being of a montage album or a sort of a remixed album, and they said no, you know, because it, it's possible that this would have happened. You know, they could have used those collaborations together and made the songs like this. Cause it's like, they're not just going to go away just because the Beatles don't break up. Paul McCartney's not going to write, you know, the songs he does for wings and so on. Um, Well, yeah, especially because on four guys, you can hear you very specifically hear band on the run. Oh, I want to talk about it. I can't wait. Yeah. 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 A gen, you can hear jet. But yeah. I feel like they're doing it in a way that you hear Jen instead of Jet. Yeah, very true. But these musical ideas could have feasibly ended up in other places. So Yeah. I mean, okay, so so what 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 were songs that stood out to you? Why would you compare this kind of like to, you know, cuz the Beatles start as like a teeny bopper vocal group and then become a rock band and then become you know uh, a more experimental uh pop group yeah um okay so like i guess some backstory too in going into this i you know after being interested in the story and the sort of proposal of having the exhibit on it being curious as to what is this gonna sound like with literally yeah. no context not even a track <laughs> list i put this on and just listened just mm-hmm. out of curiosity. And besides yeah. the kind of mangled YouTube video mm-hmm. that it was on, mm-hmm. I will say it hits hard when it starts. <laughs> with I guess, I guess the track is four guys that has band on the run interwoven into it. And it's fabulous. Yeah. It's really good. And I I went kind of through 
this album and wrote my, you know, sort of review on it and mm-hmm. in being interested in, in sort of how to kind of even talk about it in regards to everything we have here with all this Beatles merch and, you know, mm-hmm. discography and whatnot. And I will say it, it it is a well enough put together album, although it might, you know, it's probably a remix album, but I hesitate in a weird way mm-hmm. too, because like, let's be frank, we know it's a remix album. Just from sampling, just yeah, spoiler yeah. alert. But yeah. from things you read, from things that people say, and even just like I don't know, I don't know enough about the Beatles songs they're sampling from and how it was done. But the production is good; it's mm-hmm. really good. And I mean, I'm listening on low quality, but it's good enough there that it sounds put together and not chopped and not mm-hmm. rough. And in certain parts, it is. I think towards the middle, it kind mm-hmm. of is. Um, yeah. But in the beginning, it's really strong. And at the end, it's very strong as well. And I think if you go into it without the context of, let's say, something like Revolver or the White mm-hmm. Album, two very good Beatles albums, yeah, you, 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 you'd be fooled into thinking it actually was one of their albums because it sounds very convincing, in my opinion, without, without this knowledge. Yeah, and even like, you know, when you get into maybe some of the more rougher stuff. Um... Right. And it, it still, though, can sound like the jams and little yeah. skit things that the Beatles would do between, like, their songs. Yeah. No, you know what? It, it, it has the same energy to a certain mm-hmm. extent. And that's something that was captured in it that was fascinating yeah. to me. I don't know how you felt about that. I mean, I, ha- yeah. I have moments to tie it in, but I'm curious to hear kind of, like, what you thought about that. Yeah, I mean, for a bit of background as where I'm coming from with the Beatles, you know, I grew up with the Beatles with compilation albums, to be quite honest. I grew up... Uh, do you know the, uh, the, the album Love? Yeah. Yeah, so th- I think that was from the Cirque du Soleil Beatles show. And right. those are the Beatles songs, most of them fairly close to the originals, but basically kind of medleys made out of different Beatles songs. Some of the songs are shortened to fit onto the album, but it's an interesting overview of their work. And I mm. think it's actually a pretty decent intro into the Beatles because it it sounds a little more modern the way some of the drums are remixed sure, um, and stuff like that. And I believe Paul McCartney at least worked as a, uh, in some part of production of that so it does like have like a feeling of authenticity without being like a total remix but you know then as i you know actually like you know got more into music and got more curious like wanting to hear what these songs were off i at first my first thought was okay this is a little like maybe the hey jude album where gotcha yeah because like that is and I, I almost hesitate to say this, but that's the Beatles LP I put on the most because it is basically a collection of singles. It's kind of like, yeah, if you think about it, it's kind of like Endless Summer by the Beach Boys, where it's not technically an album. It's kind of right. the greatest hits, but not really. Hey, Jude. Mm, yeah. Hey, Jude. You know, none of those songs necessarily have anything to do with each other, but they're a great slice of the Beatles because those are all non-album singles you know and you can really enjoy some of their most famous songs and some of their you know well-known but you know not maybe not as revered songs like 
for sure lady, lady madonna one of my favorite beatles songs, yeah is, is on that and otherwise i feel like it was only ever released as like a 45 it was never on a proper album right yeah so the the overview of the Beatles solo careers, the, the, the tendency is to think, okay, none of these really have much to do with each other. I could maybe put it into the same camp as Hey Jude. However, I feel like by the time it does start to wrap up, you get to Saturday night and especially Mr. Gator's uh, Swamp Jamboree, which is great. Mm, yeah, Basically where they're real. sort of jamming at the end. That to me, I was like, this feels more like Let It Be. Interesting, yeah. Where with Let It, you know, that uh, as far as the Beatles discography goes, you know, Let It Be is the the last one. Right. You know, the Beatles had already kind of, you know, at, at that point were essentially broken up. And, you know, Paul is desperately trying to keep them together. They're all already trying to go their separate ways. They would still technically be together for like, you know, another year or two. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they they weren't writing and recording together. But, you know, they came together for one last effort. And I hear Let It Be called disjointed. And you can feel them pulling in their different directions and that they're, you know, all going to kind of go their separate ways eventually. Um, right yeah but they do come together and they show up for some of the tracks on mm. let it be you know yeah I, and but at the same time they're still doing like lots of like silly things on let it be too you know <laughs> yeah like, yeah and now time for doris and her oats you know <laughs> uh, yeah and it's i t to me it it does sort of feel like a proper late late beatles album yeah for sure i i feel like it's it, it could it could fit into that where they're it seemed mm. like they were heading and right you know with the beatles staying together it would it would imply a lot of things because the beatles were for you know individuals and personalities with their own aspirations and artistic ideas it's exactly. not necessarily, and again, these are things that we project on them. Uh, yes, that's it's what I want. It's a very yeah. different idea from the Rolling Stones, who mm. one you know one argument once I heard from a guy in a bar, you know, on the whole Stones <laughs> versus Beatles debate, because you know, walk into any bar in America, find an old enough guy, and get him to give you his two cents on who's better, Stones or Beatles. Yeah, but this was his take: was the Stones stayed together. Interesting. Stones kept making music. And I don't think longevity is necessarily the test of a great band. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, maybe he was talking a bit more about the solidifying of an idea of mm. who they were. Because I feel like the Beatles, by the time they got to Let It Be, and let's assume this album maybe comes out in the chronology after Let It Be. Right. They'd lost that identity. Of, well, I mean, of, I, of what mm -hmm. they of what they were, they were too many things, maybe that they wanted to be, because I think they wanted to be too many things. <laughs> every, yeah, I mean, it's like an identity crisis every album. If you start to think about it, really, what was Sergeant Pepper's? But it's amazing. But what was it? You know what I mean? It's its own kind of thing. 
I'm no Beatles, you know, historian, but at the same time, it's it's the thing I like about them, but mm-hmm. I can see it as the thing that can be a downfall. And there's also, I think, something to add to that of the, like, the longevity kind of, you know, argument in, in a certain extent works for things, but not always, because you don't want to end up, like, supernatural. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, there is something to just calling it when it's done and being like, yeah. you know, this is what we've made. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. That I think fascinates me with this experimental fake album, yeah. though, is that it really is a good question. Mm-hmm. You know, what if the Beatles never did break up? What if? It's it's a great it's, thought experiment. It's fabulous. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's just, think about that. Think of the implications. Or what would that sound like? Is it this? Is it something else? Yeah. Are we ever going to know? But we'll yeah. probably never know. And and that's what I love about this work is that yeah. there is a passion in there. I don't know who made it. Yeah. You know, I don't know why they made it. Well, mm-hmm. I don't think we'll ever really know. Yeah. But there's something I, yeah. very passionate in it that comes out. And, you know, mm-hmm. the story behind it just kind of helps emphasize that. Well, exactly. Because with with all of these things that we we want this album to mean something i think exactly beatles good or bad the beatles mean something to people yeah um you know there's so many stories of like you know other artists trying to capitalize off of the success of the beatles and that there's like some sort of special offense to that like um you know pete best put out a record called best of the beatles you know in the 60s Hmm. and pete best being the original drummer for the beatles before ringo you know (laughs) interesting missed out on them getting famous right but he you know puts out this record and they tried to sue him because a bunch of people bought it and found hey there's no beatles (laughs) songs on jeez (laughs) but he won because he said hey it's i'm best of the beatles pete best huh I mean, there, there's a bunch of Beatles knockoffs. Like, I was in a, a cafe in uh, in in Montana once in Helena, and they have like a bunch of old kind of '60s memorabilia lying around. And it's really funny, like looking at the 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 basically the knockoffs where they're like, we found four, we got we found four uh, guys, put them in suits and tried to make them look like the Beatles, but for legal purposes, they're not technically the Beatles, you know? Right, right. It's like, you're looking at it. And I, I, I remember looking at this one and they really are trying to make them look like the Beatles and they're called the bugs. Oh, that's fun. It it really (laughs) strikes me as like some mom went to the store and she's like, (laughs) what, what's, what's that little, little Timmy's listening to that, that record. He told me he wants the record, the bugs. That sounds right. The bugs. Yeah. Yeah. And then they bring it home. It's like, I want the Beatles. And it's like, no, it's the bugs. It's just as good. Yes. We got the bug. We got the Beatles at home and it's the bugs. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, it's my mom with, uh, <laughs> it's my mom with the knockoff Disney VHS tape. That's right, yeah. It's so fabulous. Yeah, uh, there's, there's also, um, a weird, uh, the Beatles also have a weird connection with this, uh, Canadian band called, uh, Klaatu. Oh? In the 70s. Okay. Uh, so, and, and this, this to me is, is fascinating, I feel like it almost belongs in the same category as everyday chemistry with, you know, the wider 
world of music that the Beatles seem to pull into their gravity. Mm. Uh, Klaatu put out an album with no artwork, no credits. Whoa. And just put, they just put out this kind of Beach Boys, Beatles inspired pop album. And this guy named uh, Steve Smith, no relation to American Dad that I know of, from Rhode oh, Island, fair <laughs> finds it. Steve goes to the newspaper and says, this is a secret Beatles album. Oh, wow. And they actually sell, like, thousands of records because people think this is, the, this is a lost Beatles album because there's That's no credit. nuts. Yeah. And, you know, the, this is... Uh, the, the the album was called uh 3.47 EST and to hear them huh. say it they were trying to get away from you know the idea of selling a record based on a name that like yeah you know they're trying to pull a uh you know a, a Garth Brooks Chris Gaines type of thing which sure yeah or, or a um a Stephen King Richard Bachman thing where Right. You know, they're they're trying to see if they can sell something not based on an established name, mm-hmm. uh, or or try to get something off of its on 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 being anonymous. Anyways, the you know they, they sort of get into some controversy with this later when they eventually are given credit for the album, and you know it is something that we can prove was not a Secret Beatles album, right? But you you see the temptation, like the want for there to be more you know yeah uh, in a in a way that the stones kind of are i feel like still you could kind of say are a serious with some asterisks after it banned yeah but you know the the stones i feel like were not above like a self-parody type of thing like you know where back in the 60s and 70s they were like terrifying to parents you know yeah that's this true evil that's music true. and now it's like i feel like they're kind of aware of like their parody of like they have these very you know raunchy rebellious songs and they're all these like you know 80 year old billionaires mm. it's it's just it's kind of fascinating to me and i with with the beatles you know, because you always want to know which one wrote which song, which one yeah. is doing what on each song. Like every every Beatles album has its own Wikipedia page. Some songs even That's have nuts. their own Wikipedia pages. That is insane. Jesus. And then I again going back to my adventure earlier, flipping through records mm-hmm. at you know vintage stores. I came across this album. Uh, it's just called Aaron Lightman, about oh. this artist named Aaron Lightman, and I have been fascinated with this album you know not only because it's like a pretty solid like 60s kind of groovy new wave just kind of a fun pop album right you know kind of acoustic not um not really leaning into psychedelic rock territory but it's definitely like aware of the sounds of of that late 60s orchestral sound to folk yeah. music you know okay. I, I think i would put it in folk maybe more than even pop or rock sure but the thing that's been fascinating to me about it is that i cannot find a single i can barely find any information at all 
on the artist. And according huh. to the back of the album, he's a, you know, hot up and coming musician and actor. Can't find anything he's ever been in. The the only mm. the thing that's more famous than him is his uh, the, he has a niece that's a, you know, kind of a a, a respected kind of pop star, you know, not huge, but you know, in in uh she she like has mm-hmm. like a lot of songs that like play at the end of like it's like the type of stuff that plays at the end of a Grey's Anatomy episode. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah that kind of soft rock pop. Sure, stuff. yeah. But that's uh, but he never put out anything else, and there's not really much else mm. known about him. I I I, and there's something so tantalizing about that to me that it's like it's even gone beyond like it's already captured my imagination maybe more than the music has. Well, yeah, I mean, it's weird. I it's so exciting, though. I feel like you got to do a project on it. That's your assignment. (laughs) You have homework now. I have to figure out who Aaron Lightman is. What if I find out he's a terrible person and it ruins? But it's about the it's about the journey, man. (laughs) It's about the journey, not the not the music, not the person. So wait, I have to I have to find out who the artist is, and then I have to separate the art from the artist. Oh my god! You got a lot of work. You got a lot of work to do. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, but it is it is so interesting to like even just like that. Yeah. Where y- you can't I mean, there's so much to react to, but just like n- someone that put out a work of music, you know, a production that takes time, yeah. effort, emotion. And it's just like, you know, they're just kind of gone. They're not there. We don't mm-hmm. know who they are, really. There's not much information to, to find about them. What a fascinating thing in the 21st century, you know, social media, you, can't you know, look it security up. age. And, and, and you, yeah. you think we have everything, but... Yeah, we, we don't. And yeah. that's that's <laughs> so interesting to me. And and let's, let's sort of parallel that to the Beatles, where they know everything about everything. And yeah. to this point where there has to be more and there isn't. And it's just this, like, really... I don't know. It's it's a strange cultural movement that I think if we if we look back at our kind of like earlier dad rock discussion, it's mm-hmm. it's similar, but it's also a little different because it's it's totally, you know, international. I don't yeah. think it's as specific as dad rock was with like what we would associate with it. But I mean, yeah. it's obviously kind of encapsulating that every yeah. quote unquote dad has heard a Beatles song. And yeah. every person I think in the world has to a certain degree, whether you like it or not, it's different. But what does that mean when the music, it's not yeah. even really about the Beatles music. It's about the Beatles as in like an icon, what they are, yeah. who they but stand the thing, for. The thing is, crucially, there are young Beatles fans. Yeah. And some of them very young. Um, And, you know, a lot of it, you know, there's there's so many young musicians that, really love some of the that that you know mid to late 60s sound yeah it's everywhere you you realize we're going you and i very possibly are going to live to a point where you know Mm -hmm. some of that music is over a hundred years old and there's a good possibility people are still going to be talking about it and we're just sort of start of and entering in the coming decades it'll be more so but already we're entering into this period of time where some of the the some of this pop music that has been so uh that that has been so romanticized and 
has this whole mythos about it is going to be a hundred years old. And we're still going to yeah, be talking about this. That's crazy. You know, can, can can you even imagine it? You know, and, and you know, we haven't even talked about all the, you, <laughs> may, this is, uh, this is entirely a discussion for another day, but we haven't even talked about all the other weird stuff that all the rumors about the Beatles, that Paul was dead and that oh, Abbey yeah. Road, they, they replaced him with a body <laughs> double after Abbey Road. And the my conspiracies. Dad, you know, my dad would talk about playing the record backwards and hearing, I buried Paul. Oh, um, Jesus. Or uh, my mom has this story about her little brother coming down the stairs uh, after listening to Wings or something. And it's, it's like the 70s at this point. And she had her little brother. And he's like, hey, did you guys know that Paul McCartney was in a band before Wings? Oh, no. That's wild. <laughs> but, but, but that's like, that's like about, the equivalent yeah. now of being like, hey, did you know that Dave Grohl was in a band before the Foo Fighters? I mean, I did have that moment, so yeah, <laughs> I guess that's fair. Yeah, that's so... It's so bizarre to a yeah. certain extent, too. I mean, it also just shows you how important that is. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's... You know, I think where, we, where we're at in sort of contemporary pop music... Yeah. It's gonna happen again. We're gonna yeah. have something similar to this happen. Are it's only we, a matter of time. Are we though? Do I, I don't you, I mean, do okay, you so think, do you think that because I, I think with how homogenized media was back then, uh do you know the the famous music critic uh Lester Bangs? Yeah, I know. Lester Bangs had a fairly famous hot take when Elvis died. Um and it was that Elvis is the last thing we would all agree on. That's and, interesting. And that you would have your heroes and I will have mine. Huh. And I I struggle to think of an, uh, the circumstances that would allow for everyone, and I'm saying everyone is a broad term because I know for a fact yeah. there were people... <laughs> there were people yeah. that actively did not like the Beatles for plenty of reasons sure. in the 60s. Uh, I think, uh, didn't Tolkien not like the Beatles? I'm probably not, to be yeah. honest, but who knows? Or, and I think Salvador Dali, too, didn't like the Beatles. Well, <laughs> But I, I think they were old farts by then, anyways. Yeah. Um, but basically, like, the idea that, like, let's say a generation, because yeah. the Beatles, it was music uh marketed to and consumed mostly by young people right like could you imagine anything coming around now that everybody would agree on because the second anything becomes too popular we sneer at it i mean i think it's yeah yeah whether you like them or not look at how big um one direction was but one direction we we mock it because young teenage girls like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a whole thing within the kind of misogyny of society that yeah. we'll have to break down with Twilight and other things at one point. But I, yeah. I think I think the the thing to keep in mind is that like it'll never be the same. Mm-hmm. I guess so. It, it, to that point, yeah, I agree. It'll never be the same. That's impossible. Yeah. We'll never have something twice. I mean, there never has been something repeated that, in this that way twice can, that everybody could agree on. The significance right. of because like we we have people that are just so angry about Grammy nominations that I don't think we ever stop and think about like do can we even agree if, on on anything being important to music because 
music has taken on so many independent lineages that still overlap i think almost every yeah musician worth their salt these days is dabbling in a couple different realms i but, mean i i guess but the grammys isn't really the best i think example maybe anymore true. even if it ever was because it is true you know it's it's, it's so it's, corporate. Um, it's it's corporate and it's exclusive it doesn't define music i mean if you want to no. find what defines music i would say you know you're going to be on Bandcamp or youtube to see yeah. what's new versus something like um a corporate realm I, and i think that's the difference yeah. because in the past you had to be corporate to be seen and to have mm -hmm. records and to do things and that's yeah. the beatles success and the movement whereas now it's it's on the internet it's through yeah. cassettes it's through yeah. uh local bands it's it's yeah, different it's, it passing out your homemade cds and telling yeah. people to download your music i have sort of a question okay and I posit this as someone that is not, I, I, I don't believe, I believe there is so much good music to still be made and uh -huh. that there's people working on it right now and that there's good music yeah. that is happening in a contemporary setting. Um, but I am someone who is always impressed by the, pro the pretty fantastic production value that comes out of music that is older. And I wonder, uh -huh. and I, I don't know if this is a false assumption, but like, I feel like in the past, like, to be good enough to get noticed by some record company, because that was how you had to do back then. Right. You had to be really good, I feel like. And that there was so much um, infrastructure behind everything that there was like almost like this baseline quality that everything had to have uh, be because there was this whole machine involved in even getting a even recording one song yeah took just such a team of people that i i wonder i wonder how that has changed music as as it as we sort of are living now in a world and possibly will, will be more so in the future that the individual themselves is capable of creating a song start to finish. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, um, I think it's better to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, mm -hmm. and I don't say this in terms of technical or just talent. I think it's in yeah. the passion and I yeah. think it's because uh, let's let's be honest. There's a lot of stuff out there that's not well produced and that's not very good. But that doesn't yeah. matter if it has the soul and the heart in it and it yeah. doesn't fit into a sort of stereotypical category. Like, yeah. you're not going to be able to produce a Beatles level album in your basement, you know, without the proper things because you'll yeah. never sound the same even if you yeah. want it to but that's okay yeah. you know you can just embrace it and move with yeah. it you know there's there's like whole genres of music that just completely reject the idea of of that and i think that that's mm -hmm. a very fascinating way to approach it i personally yeah. love that approach and i've and i've i think i've since kind of come to this understanding of of craft and there is yeah. an important importance to that but yeah at the same time like you know you're getting albums like that you know billy eilish and her um and her brother made that are yeah fantastic and, and i'm pretty sure award-winning yeah. and it's just the mm -hmm. two of them producing and that's like incredible but i mean i think i think now as well though you're even finding a more love for analog and love for the 
for the tones and crafts oh, and yeah. things and, and experimentation and and referencing because yeah. I think people who who are making things and, and going far, especially in the more you know like the Philly music scene, New York, you know, you had like Alex G and Mac DeMarco and some of these more stereotypical mm-hmm. sad indie boys coming out but you know they're homemade <laughs> and it's and we can argue i mean that, that they're decent for the way that they've produced by themselves and there's something about being mm-hmm. on your own kind of label and so i think it's going to change music it's definitely changed music and i think you just have more to kind of sift through and deal with but you also get a ton of variation that mm-hmm. is really exciting and i think that yeah. it's something to look forward to i think rather than fear not that you are but just in general that i think some people associate that you need talent like just whatever that even means to a certain extent raw talent to make music and you do but Mm -hmm. not in the way that i think everybody makes that out because this is like an argument that i've heard about sampling where people are like oh you don't need you know everybody samples to make a good hip-hop album you should just make something original and then you'll stand out that's bullshit dude every like it's just Mm -hmm. not a good argument that i've heard because yeah. Who's to say that your quote unquote original piano chords are even original and yeah, are going to define your album? Yeah, it, and it's it's hard to um it's hard to sometimes get technical cuz I feel like there's a lot of people that advocate yeah. for technical skill when yeah. that's that's not uh that that's certainly in the equation, but I Yeah, but it's not like, the whole thing. No, exactly. no. Exactly. The uh there's so many other factors in being mm-hmm. quote unquote good at making music. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a whole yeah. mixed bag of things, and it's like you can't make a you could be the best painter in the world, but if you don't have good subject matter, you're not going to have good paintings. Yeah. Ah, oh, gosh. I. Yeah, yeah. I mean this this has been this has been absolutely fascinating to talk about, and I know this was we kind of intended this as uh, more of a an easygoing, <laughs> quick exhibit here at the UCM, but um, maybe maybe we are becoming dads because I feel like we just spent like a very long time yeah. talking about classic rock. Yeah, if you stayed with us the whole time, good on you and and congratulations. You know, always let us know if you want us to talk more about this. I I don't know. I feel like I feel like I got carried away on that last part there, but at the same time, mm-hmm. it's it's a you know we're both musicians. It's something we're passionate about, and I think it's worth talking about yeah we didn't we didn't really dive into doing beatles impressions that much yeah and i think that's a good line not to cross yeah maybe I we like, i don't know you know what maybe log in to visit anyone else and they'll give you some bad Beatles yeah. impressions yeah well let's try to stand out and that we yeah <laughs> we talked about a fake beatles album for two yeah. hours yeah, exactly. <laughs> let, let, let's keep it educational here and, and a slight monologuing rant from your two favorite tour guides. Yes. Well, um, what do we got going on? Uh, the uh, Here at the Uncanny County Museum, uh, we are coming up on six months. Yee! Half Jeez, a man. year. Half a year already of bringing you the hard-hitting... Uh, you know, uh, def- <laughs> the hard-hitting, complex opinions of of Zan and Joe. Oh yeah, your favorites. Yeah, that's it's it's coming up real quick. I mean, th- you know, for those sticking with us, thank you. For those c- new, thank you. 
the museum is is growing and it's uh going you know where it needs to yeah i think so too um we recently uh got on instagram it is yes. at uncanny county museum all one word yes on twitter at uncanny museum right now we have a post up celebrating our 20th episode that came out a couple weeks ago if you haven't seen it already we are holding a small contest if you comment on that post uh with your favorite uh topic that we've covered so far tag a friend and also mention a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, we will consider it mm-hmm. for our 26th episode, with which, if my math is correct, 26 <laughs> is half of 52. So that will be our six-month anniversary. Yes, yes, yes. Please do. We're super excited for it and definitely want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has been... Uh, a real pleasure to do and mm-hmm. to research and uh, I'm looking forward to making more and getting to talk Absolutely. with Joe and interact with uh, our our growing fan base and again we really appreciate all the feedback and uh, yeah we'll see you again soon at the Uncanny County Museum if you want to find uh, me personally after hours I am at Xanosaurus on Instagram and I'm Joe Samino Art on Instagram, and uh, you can look for one of my up-and-coming projects coming out soon by, you know, first week of February, uh, titled The Midnight Drive on RadioPepese.org. It's a sound work slash podcast I've been working on for basically a half a year now, and, you know, feel free to check it out when you're driving to work in your house with headphones on and, you know, see what you think. It's It's similar but very different from this <laughs> yeah please do joe is uh becoming quite the audio artist quite the sound <laughs> artist really oh, a real a real yoko ono how did we oh. get this entire yeah. we oh went my god we didn't... we didn't even talk about yoko ono oh, i want to i want to talk about yoko ono we're gonna have to do that because we did participate in one of her works Yes, we d- <laughs> Joe and I are technically collaborators. Yeah, it's true. Famous famous conceptual artist and musician Yoko Ono. Oh my god, how did we not cover that? Was who was uh what? She was um she was she was married to some British pop star, but really we want to talk yeah. about her career. Absolutely. And I and I'm being serious. I think Yoko Ono falls into that Falls into such a misogynistic, oh yeah, uh, uh, view by Beatles fans that <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're gonna have to have an entire exhibit sometime on Yoko Ono because you and I both have enjoyed her art. I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think when you view, I think she as someone that is brought up without a lot of context. And is, yeah. and is just sort of the butt of a joke. Maybe even we're we're going to have to vindicate her <laughs> before Ringo. I'm afraid. Ah, uh, yeah, and I would say stay tuned because it's probably going to come up soon. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, we no, we're, now we're committed right at the end. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, of uh, there's not four of us. Has there ever been four of us for anything? What do you mean? You, me, David, and. I don't think so. I think it's only been three. 
Oh, of like, okay. So I guess so we can't really compare ourselves to the Beatles, but if no, I don't know. If one of us was Daryl Hall and one of us was John Oates, who would be who? I'm trying to think of duo. <laughs> yeah. Now. If, who's Hall? No. Who's Who's Simon? Who's Garfunkel? Garfunkel. I feel like Let... I'm Gar- I feel like I'm Garfunkel because of the hair. Oh yeah. Let us know in t- on Twitter or Instagram. <laughs> Tweet at us at the at Uncanny Museum. Yes, yes, your favorite duos. Well, from the Uncanny County Museum, I've been Zan Peters. And I've been Joe Semino. Thank you for stopping by and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.